0: Everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had an amazing New Year and happy holidays. And if you didn't, I hope that this year is easier on you and that you get a chance to catch your breath because I know that the holidays aren't happy for everyone. So I always like to keep in mind that not everyone's going to be happy this time of year, and that's okay. It's okay not to always be happy, and you're not alone. So, Happy New Year to everyone, and hopefully, this year brings a lot more time that we can have to ourselves and just like easier stuff to deal with because the last two years have been a lot. Um, I also don't know if anyone can actually notice this or not. Please let me know in the comments because I just bought this really cute little nifty microphone that I'm going to try to use to record my podcasts on. And I'm very interested to hear if anyone actually notices a difference because if there is no difference or there's a minimal one, then that's very disappointing because I usually record off of my iPhone or off of like a headphone microphone. So if this isn't better, I'm going to be kind of sad, but that aside, um, I'm starting to become a professional podcaster and actually getting the right equipment. Thank you to everyone who has stuck it out thus far with me just doing the stream of consciousness style podcasts without any really, any real rhyme or reason, um, no proper gear, and all that stuff. I appreciate it because my podcast is definitely not as fine-tuned and, um, Put together as a lot of people's so it's not everyone's cup of tea and i get that but for me the stream of consciousness style without like making a script and stuff and just kind of talking how i feel at the time and doing it more of like kind of like a live show because i don't really edit these i just do like one full take um and if i do edit them it's typically very minimally so it's kind of like a live show, but it's not actually live. It's like a live show in that I'm not censoring myself by editing at all, but it's not, (laughs) um, because I don't get it up live. Um, but anyways, this podcast, I wanted to do a bit of a, like a year recap and just kind of looking back at 2021. Um, and like what some of my goals were in 2021, what some of the hardships were, what some of the struggles were and just kind of goals going forward into the new year as well. Um, Since 2021 was such a hectic year and 2020 was as well, I actually kind of want to do a short recap on 2022, like 2020 comma two, not 2022 um, in this podcast, because I think it's really relevant for kind of talking about like some of the stuff that really came to a head in um twenty twenty one and some of the stuff that came up as problems in twenty twenty one or some of the good things that happened in twenty twenty one. So I'll do a briefer recap on twenty twenty and then we'll go into twenty twenty one and then we'll talk about kind of the goals for the new year and just stuff that's happened and yeah so 2020 I wanted to bring up because obviously this was like the year the pandemic started and stuff really started to hit the fan um really around like this time two years ago actually it's crazy that it's been two years ago that year was incredibly hectic for me for reasons that are not just related to the pandemic it was a huge year of massive change and loss and heartbreak and hurt and kind of just a bit of a lonely year dealing with like the pain of all of that and not having the same connection to people like being able to see friends and stuff a lot of my friends don't live in the area and they've gone away for school or they've moved away so when we get the pandemic restrictions it's really limiting because I literally just can't see basically anyone at all so 2020 was a very lonely year because of that um So at the start of 2020, we kicked it off with like finding out about COVID for the first time. Um, The first case I think was announced on like maybe even exactly two years from this date. It was like January 3rd or January 4th. So that started and initially we weren't really worried about it because there weren't any cases in Canada. And then of course it started to grow and grow and grow. But that aside, the hardest part for me in like January of 2020 would have been dealing with like George's sudden onset to his health issues and then the subsequent downfall where he passed away on February 12th in 2020 so that was kind of like part of my start to the year we had the pandemic and all of the fear and like discord from that and then I also had George get sick and pass away and honestly it like happened really fast like this is what I cannot stress enough we had a horse going from like looking the best he ever had because obviously he was not very sound when I got him because we discovered his issues very quickly after he arrived back um so like he was going really well throughout the winter like in 2019 like November December 2019 and then near the beginning of January he really just started to suddenly have all these problems coming up and then we got him into the vet really quickly and initially we're treating it like a lameness issue and then it became very clear that he was getting more and more neurological until eventually we just had to make the decision to put him down for anyone who is new to hearing this story I did do a podcast recently talking about his death and going into it on more detail if anyone wants to hear about that I don't really want to do it on this one because I don't think it's necessary I also want to add that um yeah so we had like lots of client horses coming in in 2020 was a busy year for me training wise and like 2019 was kind of the year where like my training business really started to take off and like get like really good momentum like it was never like like I like I had clients prior to that but 2019 was when I really started to get like a bunch of sales horses clients horses and just more opportunities so 2019 was kind of the startup for all that. So, it was a big year for me in that way as well. And then, of course, um, yeah. So, February, George passed away. January was just kind of consumed by like bad weather, COVID, and not really being able to get out an awful lot I went on some trailer rides with some client horses I got to work with a standardbred named Rosie that came from Greener Pastures which is a standard rescue and that was really fun because I'll admit that like in the past I've been exceptionally biased against standard breds, um, because they are gated horses and obviously that poses a little bit of extra difficulty if you're trying to use them for stuff where they want non-gated horses in it or where gated horses are discriminated against but I had so much fun working with her and it taught me a lot about the breed and just kind of re Affirmed how nice these horses are and how they absolutely can do all of the sports that people traditionally claim that they can't do. So that was really good for me because it kind of checked some of my biases and it forced me to kind of get it together. And become more open-minded towards like what different types of breeds we can see in the show circuit. So I really liked that because and the reason why I'm referencing that is because it's changed my opinion so that like if I had a client who was searching for like a competition horse on a smaller budget and wanted something that is well-minded and sound and built to last and athletic, a standard bread red would be something that I would actually be comfortable recommending now, whereas in years past, I probably would have actually recommended against that, even though it would have been pretty ignorant to do so. Um, so that was really great it gave me like a different taste of like dealing with another side of the industry and then I've worked with a lot of standardbreds since then and I've really really enjoyed my work with them they're so similar to thoroughbreds in terms of their athleticism but I've found them to be astronomically easier to deal with straight off the racetrack they don't have as many issues and like the stress vices that they do have I find to be a lot more manageable like they're less horse to deal with when they are stressed or when they're settling and then thoroughbreds off of the racetrack typically are which makes them a really really good type of project horse for people on lower budgets but that don't want like a freaking Ferrari to deal with and don't want it to be this whole thing um so yeah, it was really cool. And then so February and January are kind of slower months for me no matter the year because we only have an outdoor. So unless I'm like hauling out, I don't really ride much in those months. So basically like the early parts of 2020 were just consumed by me hanging out with Banksy and kind of doing little things with my horses in the snow. We had a lot better weather in 2020 around this year. I'm just looking at like old photos. Um, It wasn't flooding and snowing and just being a complete train wreck like it is here. Um, Um, (laughs) right now. And then in 2020, early on, I started galloping again. Um, and then I was just working at the farm. Um, so yeah, galloping and doing all that, just riding my own horses and clients' horses, watching Banksy grow and all that fun stuff. Um, And then kind of the pandemic started to come to a head around March. And this is where we started to see restrictions that would impact us. And during this whole time, one thing that I want to address that I'm not going to go into as much detail about because I just don't want to deal with potential backlash from this specific person because I would label them as an abuser in my life. And I don't really want to go into detail too much on it because... I just, yeah, I don't want to deal with the potential of them finding this podcast and something happening. But during this time, I was working with a trainer who I had been working with for quite some time and who... Um, had given me some opportunities and like helped me out in certain ways so that was great Um, but like their views on like the pandemic and like the protocol surrounding this very much differed from mine so when the protocol came to say that like to not go to work and to only do like essential travel to the grocery stores and stuff I didn't really want to continue working for this trainer and I wanted to follow the protocol and kind of just take a bit of a break while we figured out what was going on because at this point we really didn't know like how sick COVID was actually making people and as someone who's a really anxious person and from watching like prior outbreaks like the o- ebola outbreak and stuff it was just something that made me nervous and I didn't really want to break the rules and also there is like this underlying discomfort with working for this person that i had always had and it had kind of come to a head around this point where like I couldn't really put my finger on why but I just really did not want to go and work there or spend time around this person because it made me extremely uncomfortable and I feel like this should have been a red flag that I should have taken notice of way earlier on and I regret not doing that but honestly there wasn't enough of a big red flag to really scare me off before this and, like, they did give me some good opportunities. But, yeah, like, there's just, like, this niggling feeling and this discomfort that I always had around this person and just, like, not this complete trust and just kind of, I don't know, like, you just feel uncomfortable. That's the best way I can describe it because it wasn't, like, overtly obvious why I felt that way and also I kind of thought that I was just being judgmental because this trainer is a male and, Um, as a woman, I'm kind of cautious around any type of male equestrian because I found that male horse trainers are very quick to be misogynistic and there's a higher chance of them being pretty conservative and sexist in comparison to men in other industries. And whether or not that's true doesn't really matter. This is how I feel. So people who don't agree with me, you're entitled to that. This is just how I feel. And this is an anxiety I have that will be colored by my experiences in life. So I want to reiterate that this is not me saying all male trainers are like that at all, but I do have this inherent bias against them where I'm nervous and kind of not trusting and it can take a lot of time to break through that. Um, So I thought that my discomfort that I'd had all along was probably because of that and I thought that I was being judgmental and I thought that I was like, I I didn't have like a blatant reason to feel this way so I didn't really want to feed into it too much because I felt guilty and I thought that I was kind of being... um like critical and I don't know judgy in the way that I wouldn't want people judging or assuming of me so I didn't want to be kind of perpetuating those ideals towards someone if I wouldn't want it directed right back at me Um, but what we're going to get into is that I definitely had a reason to feel the way that I did so anyways around March we stopped working there and the break from working with this person was great I felt really good about it it improved my mental health a lot um oh I also want to rewind to say that in 2020 in February I got my ADHD diagnosis which I think is also huge in my growth um the last 2 years. So the ADHD diagnosis is important because I had these struggles that I had ongoing throughout my whole life and these things that I was dealing with and um largely over the course of like the last couple like I don't know probably like 15 like 12 probably 12 years because it was like it, it hit a point like anxiety in high school where it got really bad but it was definitely there throughout elementary school and I showed signs of ADHD all through elementary school but basically I just felt like kind of like like on the outside of society and just kind of like not like 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 like, like, like I was a puzzle piece that didn't fit and like stuff that I had to deal with or stuff that I struggled with or things that I experienced like anxiety wise it made me feel really lonely and kind of out of place and weird and I felt like I was like a freak in this situation so when I got the ADHD diagnosis and suddenly had like a name and a reason behind a lot of these feelings that I'd had it was really really important to me even if I wasn't necessarily on a treatment program for medications that really made a difference at that point but having something to call it and having an understanding of, like, why I struggled with certain things or why I had these certain behaviors or why I had, like, executive dysfunction issues and having a reason for it, it was really helpful because leading up to that, I always just felt really bad about myself and thought that I was just lazy or, like, had less work ethic than others or was just messy and disorganized and just, like, sucked more at being an adult than other people. So the diagnosis was freeing and then I got started on Adderall um, as, like, my first thing and they do a loading dose for, like, any of the ADHD medications so I started on a low dose and then they gradually loaded it up so now we're back at March the the pandemic um stopped working I was still galloping up the farm until the horses went to the racetrack in mid-March um And then I think I took about two or three weeks off work and then eventually the trainer wanted everyone to come back and Janae was working with us too at this point. I'd known him for longer than Janae, but this is important to say that Janae was there because the situation that comes up, she was there for. Um, And if we actually decided we wanted to go into more detail on the situation in the future, I'll invite her on a podcast and we can talk about it together because she would have seen the situation unfold from a third person view, which I think would be interesting to hear from. Um, but like I said, I'm not really sure how much detail I want to go in on this person, um, because I am like just a little bit afraid of their reaction to things, um, even though it's been a while. Like, I just I don't know. There's that discomfort that's still there. So anyways, we returned to work. The racehorses went to town. I was working with this trainer who was a dressage trainer, so not racehorses. Um, and like it was just kind of weird like this during this was during the time when all these Black Lives Matter protests were getting really big and there was like a whole lot of like societal tension and like lots of opinions and it was just weird and like I'm really outspoken on my social media and like this trainer followed me on all those social media, so they really really knew where I stood on the Black Lives Matter issue I'm gonna put that in full perspective I had been posting like anyone that follows my Facebook my Twitter or my Instagram can attest to this when those protests were going on and when they first started I was posting like probably 20 plus posts a day between all of my platforms but even just on Facebook honestly like it was constant I was sharing stuff about it I was sharing like petitions and it was like very very clear what my stance on this was like very very abundantly clear um and since there was some concerning like mindsets surrounding COVID and vaccines that like just mild comments that like kind of drew red flags for me again that were like anti-vax comments or kind of like conspiracy QAnon type ideals like the idea that like Bill Gates released a vaccine with the intention of like sterilizing the population and like that that type of shit and I was just kind of like oh my, ma- oh man like this is a side that I would have rather not seen of this person um so those are red flags so then when the Black Lives matter protests started coming around i started getting more anxiety going to work at this job because like just from prior experiences i found that a lot of the people who are anti-vax often will have views that are not the same as mine when it comes to like racial equality and all that jazz like they don't really believe that racism exists the extent that it does. I found and like that that demographic of people is more highly likely to feel that way. So when I started seeing this anti-vax stuff, I was kind of on edge already. But then I'd been posting about these protests for weeks and nothing had been said at work, so I just assumed that it was going to be fine. And then sure enough, all of my anxieties were right. I came to work one day, I think it was end of March, maybe beginning of April 2020. Um, and the protests came up and I was like, oh fuck, here we go, man. And initially the conversation was fine. Like it was like, oh yeah, like, um, like it's horrible. Police shouldn't just be like doing whatever they want and like killing people. And like, it was fine. And I was like, oh yay. Like we're on the same page. How great. Because like, we're talking, this is like a white man and I'm a half black woman. So it's like, we're very, very on different pedestals when it comes to how society views us. And that's with me being someone who is white passing. Um, But still, like, the amount of privilege that this individual would have had over me is still fairly substantial, even though I am white- passing and get benefit from white privilege um so we get to the arena i had the horse tacked up and like we were ready to go janae had her horse tacked up we started riding the horse that i was riding was this warm blood mare who was more nervous and she's very very green for her age so i was doing like a lot of stuff to just get her relaxed and and then the freaking conversation came up again and it got to the point where like now it was becoming racist where he was saying stuff like um that there's no disproportionate treatment of black people by police and I disagreed with this. And I said that if you look at the statistics, it proves that there is. And there's like not, like, there, there's less black people in North America by far than white people, but there's a way higher population of them ending up in prisons. And also, if you, even if you go, okay, they're guilty of the crime that they committed, when you factor in the comparison of prison times for the same crimes or even lesser crimes, white people will always get a slap on the wrist, it seems. And the people of color will get, Sentence for longer so even without like the actual police brutality side of it my stance is firmly that there is very very clear inequality in the world and it is something that you can statistically prove so i told this to him And then he, of course, did not believe me and was disagreeing with me and insinuating that I was stupid and that I hadn't done my research and that I just wanted to, like, have my view of the world and that I didn't really care about fact. And I was like, no, like, this is my view of the world as someone who's looked at, like, the actual statistically quantifiable information, as well as seeing how people treat my dad differently than they would my white mom. And see how my black family gets treated in comparison to white people. So I have a different view because even though I am white passing and benefit from white privilege, I would like to believe that I am more sensitive to instances of racism and microaggressions than a typical white person would be because my family is half black. So even though it's not directed at me, I would like to think that I am more sensitive to noticing it than a white person would typically be. So I told him this. And then eventually got to the point where he's talking about like his own kids and saying that his son got pulled over and like, that a cop yelled at him and was like mistreating him and I was like okay like that's awful that's not okay like it shouldn't happen to white people either but to try to say that your son's at the same risk of being shot and killed by a cop as a black person is just statistically incorrect and then eventually the conversation got to the point Um, where he was like saying to me that like black people white people had a reason to be afraid of black people and I was like no not unless they're racist they don't like no like honestly no like it would be more justifiable in my opinion to have a reason to be afraid of white men because a lot of the mass shooters and terrorists have been white men but I didn't say that that that's just me adding on to this. But I was like no not unless they're racist and then he kept saying like white people have a reason to be afraid of black people and he was basically trying to back me into a corner and get me to admit that they do and obviously I wasn't gonna fucking do this because that would literally be the most biggest insult to my family ever and I'd vehemently disagree with it. So I refused. I was like, no, not unless they're racist. I kept repeating the same sentence over and over again. He probably said it five or six times. And then finally after that, he went quiet and just sat down on the mounting block. And I was like, thank fucking God I can finish my ride and then I can get the fuck out of here. And no, he he was just taking a breather to prepare for his mantram um a couple minutes later maybe even like 30 seconds later I don't fucking know he just gets up and starts yelling and tells me to get the fuck off his horse and it's just saying that I said that he's like you're calling me a racist white guy and I was like well I didn't like actually use those words but like I mean if the shoe fits fucking wear it buddy um yeah so he storms up to me scares his horse because he's fucking yelling and flailing his hands the horse is like bro what the fuck is going on so I just hand my reins over to him and I fucking walked out and I just sat in Janae's car and just waited for her to untack her horse and then I blocked him on everything and never talked to him again after this um um, but yeah so technically he fired me because he took me he told me to get the fuck off of his horse um and like I was like you know like if there was more unions and like more recourse for fair working in the horse world i probably would have had a leg to stand on because honestly like that is literally like firing someone or mistreating an employee because of like a racial equality issue so it's like a human rights issue in my opinion like it's not something that it's not a position i should have ever been put in at all let alone by a fucking 55 year old or however the fuck old man Um, doing it when me and Janae were alone with him and vulnerable like this is not behavior that I think this person would do in front of other adults typically like other people around the same age as him by adults I mean Um, it was like completely out of line. So I waited for Janae to get me, I blocked him on everything. He tried to get her to come back to work with him using really manipulative speech, like calling me a shitty rider and saying that like, it good, like good riddance that he's not sure if he wants to allow me to come back or not, but that she's doing great and she's awesome and she's better than me and she can come and work for him. She didn't go back either. Neither one of us did. Um, but yeah, so that was April. Um, and then since that happened suddenly, like I'd been working for it with for him a lot um, because it was just like easier and it gave me like the means to build my clientele and kind of focus on other things Um, so when I suddenly wasn't working for there like there anymore I decided to go to the racetrack in town and start galloping horses in town and I think I started this in May Um, so at this point I'd been on Adderall since February so like when I started at the racetrack in town I was initially starting out and I would like I told them I was like I only really want to get on like six horses a day and I'm not going to stay the whole season this is just kind of to tide me over because I don't like I want more work immediately Um, so like I started in town and then like by like the end of the first week I was getting on freaking 14 horses a day it was insane Um, and I still had to work client horses after that so I was galloping 14 horses between 6 and 10 a.m. Um, and then I'd get home and I'd have a nap and then I'd still have like four more client horses I had to do plus taking care of my own horses. So it was exhausting. And then between that and like the Adderall ruining my appetite, I lost like 20 to 30 pounds. It was like insane. And this is like with me trying to force feed myself. The track has a kitchen and like the only thing I could really keep down was like soup. So I was eating like four things of soup for breakfast. Um... And yeah, so it was really hard work. I really liked working in town in that it, like it allowed me to build more connections and get more connections for selling horses straight off the racetrack. So for my business it was really advantageous from that point standpoint, but it was really really hard work and it was really 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 exhausting so like by the end of the summer i was fucking fried i was burnt out i was already burnt out because of the other stuff from the beginning of the year and this year was already hard but like this like working at the track fried me um and i did it until about august i think and then i was like i can't do this anymore i'm sorry like you're gonna need to find someone else to help you even though there's like a shortage on riders um so then Yeah, I stopped. And again, one thing that I forgot that we're going to need to rewind on is the fact that like Milo, we decided to start transitioning him to barefoot. This was a decision that we kind of made back in the fall of 2019, but he still stayed in shoes with frog support um, and form a hoof and stuff that whole time while his diet improved and while he built more soul depth. And then come like June-ish, we pulled his shoes um, and had him living in hoof boots. And then when I was taking about hacking a lot, I decided to put duplo frog support shoes back on him. Um and then we got like form oh the former hoof was actually in twenty twenty. We got the form of hoof in like August and started form of hoofing him for a few months there. Um and yeah, the only thing I did in twenty twenty when it comes to like showing was we did like the Thunderbird schooling day because there weren't any real shows going on because of the pandemic. So the summer was very slow and it was like mostly trail riding and lots of working at the racetrack so honestly like 99% of my time was dedicated to galloping racehorses because I was just so fucking tired I couldn't do anything else um and then like August we started form hoofing Milo and doing all that stuff and the form hoof was okay like it was frustrating because it like would break off a lot and it's very very expensive the polymer so it was frustrating to me when we would have to redo him multiple times in one cycle Um, but with that said, like it really did help build soul on him. So I'm not knocking the idea. I just think that the price point of it for how easily it can fail is not the greatest. Um, it's really not cost effective for the average person. So I'm hoping that products like this will get more cost effective so that they appeal more to the average person. Um, but yeah, so he lived in Forma for a lot of the winter. Uh, October 2020 was when we had the trail ride from hell. And honestly, I attribute the reason why I wanted to do 2020 is largely because of this um, actual event, really. Um, the trail ride from hell, we decided to go to Bunsen Lake in uh, Burnaby or Coquitlam. Coquitlam, I think it is. In Coquitlam, it's in the mountains. It's like a park. Um, they have horse trails, but it's like in it, it's like a really wildernessy area kind of in more a city area if that makes sense like it's a lot of wild land into the mountains so it's not to say that this is like a city park because it's a large park but it appeals less to horse people because of the fact that like there's a lot of city dwellers living and it's not like around farmland so we hauled the horses all the way over there from where i live and decided to go on a ride for the first time because Janae had hiked there a lot and really wanted to go. So we decided to go. I have the video on my YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. I turned my GoPro off for some of the worst parts because it was just so horrible that, like, I couldn't film it. I couldn't. It was the worst. Um, But yeah, so basically, like, their horse trails are not properly marked. They have them marked as horse trails, but, like, honestly, they're, like, endurance hiking trails, and if they are for horses, it's for, like, really, really, experienced endurance horses who are used to rocky mountain paths and narrow passageways on cliff sides not for like the everyday rider but by the time we realized this it was too late to turn back um and we just had to fucking keep going. It was horrible. It was the worst thing ever. Um and Milo was a trooper. Like Pogo was the least fit out of all the horses so I actually got off on one at one point and I turned Milo loose on the mountainside and he fucking went with us like a pack horse um, while I helped my mom with Pogo because he was tired and he was not handling the terrain well, and I was worried about him slipping and falling or something. And I was not worried about Milo at all because he's so sure-footed and careful. So like I literally turned him loose um, and just let him follow us from the rear, and he was an angel. He was like he honestly could not have been better. He handled so many of his fears so well, and like did so many things that like he literally just shouldn't have because he didn't know the desperation behind why I was asking him to do these things. Um but yeah by basically by the end of this he'd like worn his former hoof almost completely off so his feet were probably really sore and then like when we finally got down off the mountain and we were finally back on the regular trail to get out their stupid fucking horse exit it's like one of those fenced exits that they make kind of like you you go in straight and then you turn left and then you go in straight again and then you turn right and then you go straight and you're out and basically the purpose of like doing the fences like that is so that you have an open exit that people can get in and out of, but that it slows horses down if a horse was to bolt and get loose. But the problem was that they made the turns like 90 degree turns and it was really narrow and scary. And for those of you who have been following me for a while, you probably remember the fact that Milo is afraid of narrow doorways. So this was literally his worst fucking nightmare and he had basically no room to turn. It was like a 90 degree turn. And his go-to thing for getting through narrow doorways is to usually try to do it fast and just get through because he's really claustrophobic and it scares him. And this is something that will spontaneously reoccur no matter how much I work with him on it because it is such a deeply ingrained fear of his so when we got to this place he did not want to go obviously and I was at the point where I was like in tears and I was like we're gonna fucking need a chainsaw to cut this down because there was no way around it like the, there was a rocky bank down to the lake on one side and then they had a gas pipe on the other side that was so high off the ground that we could not jump it but it was too thick and low to the ground that he also couldn't go underneath of it so the only other option would be to go back the way we came and do the whole trail again which was like a five hour thing so that wasn't an option and I couldn't ask him to do that So, I literally had to, like, force him to go into this tiny little thing, and if you go watch the video on my YouTube, there's a photo of it at the end, so you can see what I'm talking about, but yeah, like, I had to freaking beg him, and I was, like, crying because he was so scared, and he really didn't want to do it, and I didn't want him to hurt himself, but I also just wanted to get home, and it was late, and the park was going to be closing soon, so finally, he just did it for me, and he was so good about it, but then after he got out, he was, like, fried, like, it had put him so far over threshold that like that was it like he couldn't walk back he was jigging and snorting and throwing his head and grinding his teeth and doing his like lip stress stuff it was horrible the whole way back to the trailer I felt so bad and then like after that like like honestly that trail ride is like what probably gave him his ulcers so then in November I had him scoped for ulcers because after this trail ride he stopped wanting to go forward under saddle he got really cranky um he just wasn't himself so we got him scoped and he had grade three ulcers we treated him with the gastro guard and then we also had him looked at for his feet and whatnot and um saw that his sole depth had actually doubled which is great but he was having some soreness on his locking stifle following this whole trail ride so what we did is like kind of a rehab program following the ulcer treatment um which would have been in we're now in january 2021 so he had his round of gastro guard and then we reassessed him for his soundness he was still a little off on the stifle nothing x-rayed weird nothing ultrasounded weird there is nothing really going on other than like slight stiffness and it's the way he gets like when he thinks it's about to lock it's kind of like a protective thing cause he hates it when it locks it's not locked in like years but it's still something that definitely bothers him when he's not in work so we did a prp injection into that stifle to kind of jump start his rehab and then um I was just doing like a little bit of like hacking and stuff for him in the new year um oh yeah and just to jump back one month December slash November 2020 was when I started to um, develop my ideas for my bridals um so then what we did then was like I I'd started sending them off to the person that I wanted to make them and then they put them like in their queue and this was like a really long waiting game so it was about kind of just getting them to Um, see what I wanted them to do and then yeah like developing the the prototypes for them and all that jazz so that was done in like November December 2020. 2021 another pandemic year Um, a year like working for my like I did 2020 basically um, half galloping half working my business full-time and then over the winter when I sorry I have the hiccups over the winter when I wasn't galloping. I took on more clients. And then, yeah, January 2021 rolled around. We decided to build our horses a new hay shelter, um, so that was neat. It gave us another place to put a round bale feeder, which allowed me to use multiple feeders. That was excellent. Um, I got a new truck. This is actually end of December 2020, but we'll count it as 2021 because I wasn't ready to share it until 2021 because I got my new truck, like, I think it was December 30th, 2020. Um, and, I felt really guilty about it like I got it after my old truck had died well not died died but like the gas um tank wasn't like displaying the correct fuel amount anymore and when I went to take it in they told me it was like a three thousand dollar fix and I was like I don't really know how much I want to put into a truck that I'm not going to have for that much longer, so then I decided to just sell it while it was still in decent condition, and I ended up getting a truck, a 2018 Ford F-150. It's their max towing package truck, so it can tow a lot more than the regular F-150s, and it has, like, heated seats. It has, like, apple carplay and like remote start and stuff so i was like super overwhelmed when i got it at first and i was like crying because i felt so guilty because it was like nicer than my mom's car and stuff and i was just like i felt like a spoiled brat i wasn't comfortable with it i wanted to return it almost and it was just really hard to kind of get used to so i didn't announce that until january 2021 um still have that truck uh it's a nice truck i really like it um, it's treated me well and it is nice to have like a dependable truck that is like new enough and still on warranty that I don't really have to worry about stuff happening because like the kind of I know some people would probably look at it and go like oh like the the gas tank fix isn't a big deal I would just drive without it and it's like yeah that's all well and good but for someone with ADHD one it's hard to track that two the amount of gas I used would change when I was towing versus not towing or if I was city driving versus highway driving or driving up mountains and so on and so forth so it made it really hard to judge when it was going to run out of gas and I had it run out one time when I had the empty trailer and that was kind of the nail in the coffin where I was like okay I can't do this anymore this is way too stressful um so yeah I decided to get a new one because of that um just for safety reasons and also just like peace of mind Uh, for my own stress and stuff. And then kind of like the start of 2021 was like really slow again. It was like more so just like working with client horses. We brought Harlow and Betty home from their winter vacations um, mid-January they had lost weight over the winter the person who had them had quarter horses so I think she just wasn't as used to feeding as much grain as they probably needed while they were weaning off of their high grain diets so when they came in we initially didn't really work with them we were just giving them time to settle in and pack more weight on so we didn't actually ride them until about February Um, and also one more jump back in September 2020 I got the end of September I got the two girls Betty and Harlow Harlow for me Betty is a sales project for me and Janae to share and then I also ended up getting frost another off the track thoroughbred off the racetrack who I was not intending to get but his owner was honestly just such a dick that I did not want to leave that man in charge of rehoming this horse um I tried to get frosty earlier and if I'd gotten him when I first tried back in August I probably would have never gotten the mares but the owner refused and was still going to try to race him even though his feet were sore and they couldn't get a shoe on because he tore off like all of his foot at the track so the horse sat for a month at the track in a stall doing nothing poor thing um, cause the owner was just being a moron. And then finally I got the okay to take him and got him for a hundred bucks. I was just paying the, like the trainer back some of the money that the guy owed for the horse. And yeah, so Frosty came unexpectedly because of that. Um, he stayed here with me over the winter and then the two girls went up to Kamloops for the winter. So anyways, girls came back mid January. We started working with them beginning of February, 2021. Um, Harlow was like a nut the first time I tried to swing a leg over her she like bronked and bolted and scared the bananas out of me because I don't want to break my back so I went back to groundwork with her and did like a lot of groundwork getting her to calm down she was just such a nut bar and she also had like a lot of pole sensitivity and tightness from being galloped in an elevator bit so this is kind of where like I started to further develop the idea of the Harlow bridle because I thought it would really help her um with her head soreness so that was a focus of mine too at that point and then kind of February was just lazy it was like a lot of hacking and groundwork for the horses Banksy and like Milo and Pogo and the guys at home mostly just hung out like I was kind of riding Milo a little bit intermittently at this point um but not hard because we were just working on his sourness and again like honestly the trail ride like took so much out of his emotional piggy bank that like I like couldn't fucking ask him for anymore and I know like a lot of people would probably just go like oh push them through and just work them but I was like no like he's telling me he's uncomfortable and he already like he did the most incredibly amazing feat with that trail ride and keeping it together and not being a problem because we had two way younger horses who needed to be focused on more um especially Pogo and like he he gave me everything I needed in like in that situation so I just couldn't ask him for more and I felt really guilty about like how sour he was so the entire focus at this point was only working with him when he was like happy to work and also just getting to the bottom of like his issues so at this point too I also started treating him with sucral fate for his high for hindgut ulcers just as a preventative in case like he probably did have some I was like doesn't hurt so we did that um And then, yeah, I was just doing Liberty work with Banksy for a lot of the first part of the year and then just like groundwork and lunging with Milo, light stuff with Harlow, hacking and just kind of as the weather allowed. And then we did go for a few trail rides here or there as the weather allowed um, with Milo too. Again, just like short ones walking. I wanted to keep it positive for him. He likes hacking a lot more than working in the arena. So this was a focus too. Um, In March, we got the first of my saddle pads released, which is the Evergreen saddle pad, uh, which was really exciting. I was super pumped to be able to try them and get them here so that was kind of the start of releasing like new products which was different for me because my like my Teespring merch store is all completely handled through Teespring like they do all of the production the printing the shipping and the everything all I do is supply the designs and like advertise for myself um so doing these saddle pads and then starting on the bridle was kind of like a jump into uncharted territory um, because I hadn't like handled that myself and the problem with when you're handling all the production yourself is that like there's lump sums that you have to put out to buy the products and then you're just crossing your fingers hoping that they sell so that you're not completely broke so doing this all on my own dime was kind of scary and hard to do but I am glad that I decided to finally take the jump to do that because it has led me down the path that I'm going on now but it was really really scary and I want to reiterate that like as a small business. business person um, just in hopes that this will give people a little bit more compassion if you're ever like get something from a small business that's late or if something happens it is so much work man and like putting out thousands of dollars to order like the minimum order quantities for products that you believe in but not knowing if other people also believe in them it's really really scary um and This is why, like, small business owners appreciate so much all of their customers. Like, every little purchase is noticed and really appreciated, and it matters because it goes directly into helping, like, specific families, Um, whereas corporations, you don't have that same thing where they're going to really care and notice every sale in the same way. but yeah, so that was really scary. I started doing more target training and like Liberty work with Banksy, which was really fun. So that kind of led me down the path of doing more positive reinforcement than I had even done in years past. And it also like showed me how, um, how great target training is for teaching a number of behaviors, which I wanted to note because I had acted like a bit of a dick in the past and called it like stupid and like just gamesy training for like Liberty people. But like, implied or actually outright said that I had no other purpose um but I was wrong so ignore me and what I said then because it was a lie and I was being stupid um and I was just speaking from a place of ignorance so yeah throughout March I kept having like more saddle pads come in we were experimenting with new colors and just kind of seeing what was selling and stuff so that was really cool and it was cool to like get people to start seeing my saddle pads and stuff um And then, yeah, just a little bit of work with Milo on and off throughout March, April. Banksy just doing Liberty stuff with him again. Harlow was putting weight on and developing really nicely and finally starting to quiet down for her hacks and going on nice walking hacks. Uh, It had been really difficult getting them to the point where they had enough confidence to go hacking around alone and to like separate from each other and not explode. So that was a really huge milestone for us. Uh, we took Carlo and Betty to the beach in April, which was really fun. It allowed for some beach shoots. It was a lot of fun galloping them with Phoebe running alongside of us. Um, I focused on clients a lot through April, May. I had the cutest little pony Bon Bon in for training that I started and he was lovely. I also started Harlow over her first couple fences early April as she started to quiet down which was really exciting because we were hacking them to a nicer barn with like an indoor and a large outdoor and a jump course to ride them because the place that I board her at doesn't have a good working arena Um, and initially when she would hack out that way and like would get there she'd see all the other horses there and she'd like be so nervous that I'd have to get off and hand walk her for like 15 minutes until she would eventually start hand grazing and then we'd hand graze for like an additional... 15 minutes before I could get on her. Um, So when she was finally getting to the point where she could actually hack there and just be, like, okay with it, it was a huge milestone for the both of us, and that was really great. So that was kind of at the point where we started introducing her to poles and then eventually jumps, Um, and then I also hacked her to Thunderbird for the first time, or, like, not hacked her there. I trailered her to Thunderbird for the first time um, to do a jump school. It was a very stressful day for her. That was hard for her, and it kind of reiterated the fact that a lot of her anxiety is directly correlated to her being around lots of other horses which to me is her being worried about it being like the racetrack um so then like that that kind of showed me what I had my work cut out to do like I had to get her off property more and make it a more pleasant less stressful experience um April my mom had her birthday we took Milo and Pogo for a hack I hacked Milo Bridalist he was really great um at this point he was in hoof boots. We had taken off his form of hoof and he was just hacking in, or sorry, no, he was still in the form of hoof, but I had hoof boots on his hinds. Um, and yeah, that this was shortly before we decided to just stop using the form of hoof because it was just coming off, off way too much. Um, and then April, my bridal prototypes arrived. We started testing them. I got to finally see them in person and touch the leather. I loved the leather. I was really, really happy with the work that this bridal maker did. And I was also lucky because my friend Callie had already used this provider in the past. So I had already... Used some of some other bridles that he'd made and gotten to see the quality so I was just really really excited to see um, them in person and that was kind of like the first time where it actually started to feel real that I was actually developing these bridles um end of april-ish like mid to end of april-ish i got access to that grass field that i was renting um and this is kind of where i made the decision to send milo over there as a babysitter one because he deserved a break two because the ground would be a lot softer on his feet and i could pull his shoes and kind of let him adapt to being barefoot without there being as many rocks and crusher as like our hard um dry lot paddock And this field was really great because it also allowed Banksy to have like the entire year out on a big acreage grazing and just getting to be a horse, which he loved. So I kind of would like leave them on the field for a few weeks at a time and then bring them off of it, especially this early in the year. I didn't really start leaving them there for extended periods of time until more like June, Um, working with a lot of client horses throughout May, June, and then yeah taking Banksy there and kind of like I got too busy at this point I had way too many clients on the go I was really stressed dealing with all the bridal stuff and the production stuff with like the saddle pads getting all the revenue together to pay for the minimum order quantity out of pocket and all that jazz um it was really stressful so I made the decision to like just turn Banksy out and not worry about him because um, he didn't really need to be doing a lot of stuff so it became Laura's like okay you're going out on pasture and then we're gonna come hang out with you and obviously check on you daily but you're not a priority when it comes to training um in May we got silky chickens which are really cute I haven't shared a lot about my chickens on my social medias yet I will try to do more soon um And, yeah, and then people can kind of get to know them as well. But that was exciting. We started getting, like, our own eggs and stuff. Um, Yeah, and then, like, May, June and stuff was just all about focusing on clients um I put my trailer up for sale in May like I pressure washed it got some photos of it and I was prepping it for sale because the trailer that I had at this point um it was like really short for my horses and I kept getting bigger horses and like seeing Pogo growing I was like shit I need a new trailer like they're not gonna fit in this it's like it was like um the trails west adventure uh trailer which is like a lower end trails west that is smaller and like economy so it's way cheaper than a lot of their trailers but it has less space. So like my horses just weren't fitting in it anymore. And I was like, okay, like I need to get a warm blood sized trailer. Otherwise this like is not safe. Um so like I pressure washed it, which was like a living nightmare. I hated that. It took so freaking long, man. I pressure washed it and like got it all clean and like ready to list it. And I was really lucked out in finding um, this lady that had, like, this warm blood, like, literally my dream trailer, uh, she listed it for sale, like, in the comments section of someone else's post, but no one had bought it, so I messaged her and asked about it and said that I still needed to sell my trailer, um, but that I was super interested and would, like, put a deposit on it if she wanted to, and luckily she let me do that, and she held it for me until my trailer sold, which was really, really nice of her, and um, so then I ended up getting like my dream trailer, which is a Trails West Classic 2, Warm Blood sized. And hers is extra special because she'd paid extra money to get an escape door put in at the third, the first stall, like the, the very first stall at the far end of the trailer, which makes it way safer. And it's also just cool because it's not something that you find on the base models. And I got what I think is a good deal on it um, for what it was. And then we got, I got another project horse in May. We got Sangria, this little pony that we got. Um, and she hung out for a lot of the summer because like when we got slammed with all these heat waves, which were in June... We weren't really expecting losing that much time to such heat, Um, so she kind of got a later start in the year, and she got a lot of field time over with the girls at the other field that's down the street from my house that my friend's dad owns um, that I also lease. And then I also got offered a free thoroughbred mare from this place where this guy had 17 thoroughbreds, I think it was, and he unfortunately passed away. And then they had all these thoroughbreds who he'd had just as pets and were largely unhandled. Um, like most of them weren't even halter broke and they'd not gotten regular handling. So I ended up getting one from them. I named her Lila and she was 11 years old. Um really nice thoroughbred mare super lovely super quiet she's like honestly the easiest horse I think I've ever broke she's like basically started herself under saddle so she was lovely I wasn't really expecting to get more product pro, uh, Blah. I don't know what I'm saying I wasn't more I wasn't expecting to get more projects but I kind of just took her on because I wanted to help them out and I love thoroughbreds and I didn't like the idea of having these horses who in the eyes of buyers are older but are completely unhandled and haven't done much because it puts them at an inherent disadvantage when you are trying to find them homes. So, I wanted to do what I could to help this mare find a good home. So, I took her on. Um, and then end of May, I took Harlow out to Thunderbird again. It went way better than the last time. She's still nervous around other horses, so I definitely still need more practice, but it was a lot better than the, the first time that she went to Thunderbird, so that was great. Um, yeah, again, Milo, Banksy, and Pogo basically lived out on pasture the whole time over the summer. Early June was when I officially had my big trailer arrive, which was really exciting, and I was so pumped. I could not even believe it. It still doesn't feel real looking out there and seeing it. It doesn't feel like it's actually mine, but I mean, um, like, it is, so that's cool. Um, yeah, so early June was great, and then we listed Betty for sale in June as well unfortunately for her first vet check she had something come up in the vet check that made her a more difficult sell to people who want really good x-rays and also made her more suitable as like a trail horse or lower level jumper so we took her off the market as like a a, a mid-level jumper and kind of looked for a trail home for her and then we eventually found someone who wanted a trail horse and was going to have her living outside 24 7 which she really needed because she is a chronic weaver and she cannot tolerate being stalled um, the racetrack was so stressful for her and we just thought that she'd earned the right to live like a normal horse um so yeah she went to that home at the end of June which took a lot of stress off my shoulders because between that and working on the bridal release and having all these project horses that I suddenly had um it was really really stressful so I was just kind of in a position where it was really hard to relax um And then in June also, I ended, like, a long-term relationship that I was in, um, with my boyfriend at the time of, like, almost five years, um... And that was really hard. Like it was just a big change. It wasn't that it wasn't like the right decision, but it's like a really big change. And after that long, you like become part of their family, they become part of yours and they're just like a staple in your life that you get used to. So that was really sad. And it was hard for me um, to kind of get used to because I wasn't the one who made the decision, even though I had like a lot of the same misgivings and things that came up as issues that made it clear that we weren't overly compatible long term for like as in getting married and like living together and having a life together so it was hard because it kind of caught me by surprise that he made the decision when he did but I'm super glad that he did because it was for the best um that was really hard for me though and it was kind of like a bit of a wake-up call where it's like okay like now I have to get like my life back on track and like where I want it to be because while I like really care about him as a person and like we're still friends and stuff it was just a situation where we weren't compatible like as a couple like we were platonically compatible but not romantically um and i think that contributed a lot to some of my anxiety and stress and depression over the months because i like i knew that there was something that wasn't right um but i was really terrified of like the idea of breaking someone's heart or yeah like hurting someone and leaving them in a situation where they thought that this was like a lifelong relationship and the thought of like seeing that heartbreak on his face is what put me off from making the decision sooner even though it really should have come sooner honestly because like throughout the pandemic year and stuff it was kind of becoming more and more clear that our relationship was just like slowing down and it wasn't going the direction that it should be if you're dating five years and should be like considering getting like engaged and like moving in together and stuff and he also just wasn't really like the horses weren't his passion and he didn't want to like spend time at the barn and didn't want to live at a farm in the future which is like a huge no-no so it was just something that we had too many different goals that we're not connecting together but like that was kind of one of the bigger events in terms of like how it changed my path in life and I'm really thankful that it happened again um yeah, so June, we did that. And then I went, I decided to go on a bit of a trip. I went to visit one of my friends in Cranbrook, June 2021, near the end of June or like mid to end of June. Drove all the way up to Cranbrook, which is like an eight to 10 hour drive from where I am. And it was lovely. It was beautiful there. It was such a cool drive. I enjoyed myself. I wish I could have stayed longer, but I could only take like three days off of work. Um, So that was hard. But it was really nice. And it was like the first vacation I'd had in like a year. And I really needed it at that point because it had just been so much change and so much stuff happening for like the last over a year that I just felt like completely overwhelmed. So it served as like a little bit of a reset, which was really nice. Um, And then like in July, I got to ride Harlow Bridalist for the first time, which was like a huge milestone for us because she was really strong at the racetrack and was known for being like a heavy puller and stuff. So this was really cool to be able to do that with her and then July 1st I started hanging out with my now boyfriend he invited me to a party um, for Canada Day um, and yeah so I went to go to his pool party and it was kind of just like a really instant connection like I don't like I want to use the love the term love at first sight lightly because in his case like we'd met each other before um and we were acquaintances before but we hadn't really gotten to know each other and when I'd met him before I'd been in relationships there wasn't even the chance to consider it but there was definite attraction even in those um cases but like we really really hit it off like right away like it was just like instant connection and it was really cool so like um that like I I know how it sounds getting like, seeing someone so short after a long-term relationship, I think it was just the fact that the relationship was actually ready to end for longer than, um, what, like, for a longer time, um, than what you'd think, And, and it was just, like, an instant, instant attraction, so it was, like, yeah, I went to the party, um, met him and a bunch of his friends and Janae came too and we just kinda hit it off. It was really lovely and I've like never spent time with someone like that because for me, like getting to know someone, especially guys, is something that's usually really time consuming for me and I'm still not like completely comfortable around them. Even after like literal years there'll just be insecurities that I have and weirdnesses that I have that I can't fully get past. But it was really cool because with Jesse it was kinda like, yeah, like right away, instant connection. We hung out on Canada Day. We hung out whole day after Canada Day and like literally like people probably would have thought we were already a couple because it was just yeah instant connection man like looking into each other's eyes and I struggled to make eye contact with people so um that's kind of a big deal for me but yeah we hit it off right away and then it kind of gave me a better feeling about like the direction my life was heading and like less anxiety about um that whole thing so It was, it was cool because it just kind of like, it felt right. And I was like, okay, this is cool because like initially I had had the feeling that like, okay, maybe I'm just like less capable of feeling like strong feelings towards others. Um, and then in meeting him, I got to learn that that wasn't the case. I just hadn't been with the right people. So, um, it was really nice because it kind of just reiterated the fact that like, it's not me that was the problem. And it was just that it wasn't like the right situation for me. Um. So, that was really special. And then, like, throughout July, I was hanging out a lot with Jessie. I was taking Harlow out and hacking her and doing stuff like that. And I was also working a lot with client horses. And then, of course, we had, like, the big heat wave where it got to, like, 40 degrees end of June, beginning of July. That was horrible. Um, that was really hard. So, a lot of, like, lake days and going in the sun and stuff and, you Yeah it was kind of a nice summer in that like I got to do a lot more like civilian stuff outside of horses and kind of do stuff that I wasn't doing in the past year or two Um, because honestly even before 2020 as the pandemic year I was busy and like motivated to get my business started and then I was also struggling a lot with like mental health issues and other issues within my family um, with like addiction struggles with other family members and stuff and it was just really really hard and stressful so like from like 2017 to 2020 it's kind of like a blur because it was so stressful and there's just so many things that I honestly couldn't really tell you exactly what happened in each year. So, yeah, like, the last, like, three years before this or four years, they were so stressful. There's just so much stuff going on that it was just, like, it's hard to keep track. It was just too much all at once. And I wasn't really getting the opportunity to, um, like, I don't know, like, sit back and take a breather. And honestly, over the summer with my horses, I definitely didn't ride them as much as I wanted to or work with them as much as I wanted to because I was just too busy and burnt out with clients and like all the other stuff that I was doing like between working with my clients doing basic care for my horses trying to find time to see Jesse and friends and trying to find time to like enjoy my summer by going to like the lake and swimming and stuff and trying to work with my own project horses and stuff it was just like way too much and I my horses kind of took a backseat. Um, in August and, uh, and in July, we started getting like Sangria or Project Pony started under saddle because the weather kind of let up mid July. It was still really hot. Um, and then throughout August, we're able to get more work done with her. Um, yeah, and I'm still doing mostly client horses all summer. And Phoebe is apparently talking in this. I don't know if my microphone caught that. Um, but yeah. Oh, I also want to jump back to say that we did the pre-orders for the Milo and Harlow bridles without sheepskin in June. Um, and that was really great. It like, we sold so many more than I would have possibly expected. It was insanity. Um, and I really appreciate the people who helped out with that because the pre-orders really helped me get the minimum order quantities in without completely like sewering myself in terms of like taking out way too much of my own money. And having to do it that way. So I'm really glad that people were like believed in my product enough and believed in me enough to help out in that way with the, um, with the, the pre-orders. Um, and that was really great. And unfortunately, like initially we thought the pre-orders would be back way earlier than that they were, but everything kept getting postponed because of the pandemic and shipment delays. And there's that whole like Suez canal thing that happened. And it was just a shit show. Um, In August, I got Jesse to get on a horse for the first time, which was really cool. He even rode around on Harlow on his own, and for those of you who don't know, he was, like, terrified of horses before we started dating, so that was, like, a pretty big deal, and it was really exciting, um... So that was fun, like, and having someone show, like, that level of interest in my passion was also something that was really good for me, I think, um, because it kind of just showed that he's, like, yeah, taking the initiative to see if it's something that he likes, and honestly, like, no pressure if he didn't want to ride, but he does actually like the horses now, so if he wants to learn how to be a better rider, then it'll be even more fun, is what I have told him, because then we can go out and do more trail rides and stuff, um, and kind of do stuff like that together so that was really fun and it gave me something to look forward to for um, the future I didn't really have as much time to teach him how to ride as I would have liked to over the summer but I mean um, you do what you can uh, it was a busy year so yeah I had a lot of sales horses come through I listed a lot of horses for sale for clients we sold all of our project horses. Um, and then, like, by the end of the summer, I was like, yeah, I'd sold all my project horses and it was starting to calm down. And I was planning on taking on a little bit less clients because, again, this year I found that, like, by the end of the summer, I was pretty burnt out and it was difficult. Um, so I was, like, ready for a break. And then I got, like, um, Milo's feet were doing really well come august like he'd built a lot of sold up they looked way better we got him some new flex boots to try for a hoof boot and i also have the scoop boots i booked banksy for his gelding service the beginning of september and then we also opened the harlow bridal sales like i think mid to end of august um for the sheepskin luxe bridles. and i was really happy again for the people who believed in me enough to do the pre-order that means a lot and i really appreciate it um Yeah. So then throughout September, it was like really dry. We were experiencing drought. The ground was dry. There was like less hay and stuff. So I was just wanting to sell my project horses. I sold um, Lila in September and then, yeah, Banksy got booked for his gelding service and he went in near the end of September. I'm so glad I got him in when I did because then we had, of course, all the flooding and horrible stuff happen um, in November of this year. So I got him in September. It went really well. He came back. He healed and it was awesome he stayed overnight there because he was more mature and I just wanted to have him be there just in case because if he did bleed a lot then he's already like immediately where he needs to be to see a vet um but yeah he came out great from that I pulled some straws from his little nutty buddies so that if I ever did decide that he was had proven himself enough to breed that they're there and it's not a loss, but then it means that I can actually move him around and take him places. If I had my own place, I would have just left him intact longer because I don't think it would have been bad for him to stay intact into his three-year-old year, year, but it's way too hard when you're juggling other people's properties and stuff. So, yeah, no fun. Um, Yeah, September was just kind of client horses business stuff October same thing I got some more client horses in I taught Jesse a riding lesson on on one of my friend's horses which is awesome and hopefully we'll do more of that stuff soon as my time allows Milo's feet had gotten exponentially better after coming off of the field which is excellent so he was doing really well barefoot and he even walk across rocks and stuff now which is awesome and feeling way better looking way sounder I just don't have the time to start him back right now and he's fat so I need to get his saddle refitted and get him going more but I did ride him a little bit through October and then i kind of lost time in november but also everything flooded in november we got like 200 millimeters of rain like overnight in november my vet clinic went underwater um it was horrible um, end of October, beginning of November, we got Pistachio, my new auction rescue pony. Again, I wasn't planning on getting another pony, but it just kind of happened and um, he's lovely and he's settled in great. But he also kind of took a backseat of a backseat over November because I was too busy with client horses and then also all of the flooding and just trying to manage all the basic horse chores when the weather sucks. It takes way more time. So it was no fun. Um, but like getting him was fun because it—he's a very nice pony. He's really sporty build, and I think he's going to be a lot of fun to work with. So I'm looking forward to doing that in the future. But um, yeah, it was just kind of weird timing because we obviously were not expecting to have such crazy weather throughout November. It was nuts. But yeah, my horses came home off the field in October um, because they needed to do some work on the field, and it's also a good thing because they would have literally gone underwater with how much flooding we had throughout November Um, and then yeah throughout November it was just stress 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 dealing with like the bridal release getting everything in time for Christmas trying to Order all of the stuff that I wanted to get and put all my money into it, and just feeling stressed about um, my lack of ability to do so and having to do so with my own capital. That was really stressful. November kind of was like one of the most stressful months of the year. Um, I had a lot of plans in the works that I was working on, and I took on a lot along with doing all my regular training stuff and trying to build like the store up. So it was so horrible. By like the end of the month, I was like fried and crying, and I was like not okay. I just needed a break, so I'm glad that things have started to quiet down a little bit, but yeah, November was difficult. Um, it was very hard. Getting all that product organized in, for, in time for Christmas and then dealing with customers and other stuff where people don't realize, like, how delays in shipping happen and might not necessarily be the most um understanding about it. That was really hard. And I have a hard time dealing with that stuff. So yeah, like November is kind of the month where I had to learn how to like reach out to other people and be like, I really need help, please. I can't do all this by myself. It's too much. Um, but I'm glad I did. And then November I've had to been doing a ton of stuff working on like doing apparel and stuff for my business. So that was really busy doing all the stuff where you're communicating with people where there's like a language barrier and also where, um like I can't draw. So like I have to try to make like almost image boards of what i want um because i don't i don't have the ability to really construct it myself and do that so that was good and i'll, I'll be sharing more about that later i can't really go into detail with it yet because i want there to be a bit of a surprise but i've been doing a ton of stuff with that the stuff with the bridles dealing with all that stuff and there's like some speed bumps in the road with that because like building a new business is difficult shit happens um be nice to your small business owners because unless you've literally tried to start your own business and produce your own products and deal with all the production the shipping and all that jazz along with like customer relations it is very hard it's easy to judge if you've never done it I used to be one of the assholes who would judge a little bit harder and would be less understanding and now that I'm in it I understand way more and I'm gonna be way more empathetic going forward because holy shit um, but yeah, big things in the works. There's also a big project I've been working on that has nothing to do with my store or any apparel or bridles. And I'll be able to announce that very soon. So stay tuned on my socials because I will be doing that soon. And yeah, this year has been like a massive year of growth. It's been an exponential year of growth. So I'm hoping 2022 will finally be the year where I get to like just reap the benefits of my business growth and hopefully like actually get a little bit of a break because I'd be lying if I said I wasn't burnt out. I'm so burnt out I'm so tired I need a break I want to go on like a vacation and just like take some time where I'm like literally not working because I at this point I don't know what to do with myself when I'm not working and I barely ever take a real full day off like the last time I took any time off was only because I was sick um it's really hard to like actually take off enough time to really like rest and get some R&R to deal with the burnout so I'm hoping that 2022 will be that year for me Um, But uh, thank you to everyone who's supported me through listening to my podcasts ordering from my store shopping my merch shopping the bridles even just sharing posts commenting on my posts liking my posts and just being there to support my stuff. It's been so much help and I could not have done any of this stuff without all of you guys so I really really appreciate that and. I am so thankful for the part that like all of my followers and whatnot have played in my personal growth. And I thank you again. And I'm really excited to share the new news that I will have in the coming weeks um, with all of you. So stay tuned on my channels. Don't forget to check out my bridles. The Sheepskin lux bridles are now back in stock in the bit list and Bitted bridles. We will be doing another restock of the Brown Milo bridles closer to the end of the month, beginning of February, pending no shipping delays. I'll keep stay tuned. I'm also having an ambassador search for my company. You can look at that on my Instagram, shop Milestone Equestrian. All the information is there for what you need to do to enter. And Yeah, so that's exciting and that'll kind of be the next project going forward into the new year is just selecting ambassadors and just trying to get like my brand repped and kind of move from there. But I so appreciate everyone's help in my personal growth and I'm going to be trying to do more vlogs and videos with my horses and actually get to work with and enjoy my horses more instead of prioritizing clients um, because I do need less of a workload. It's been really hard wearing both hats, like the trainer hat and trying to train client horses, but also the business person hat where you're doing all this other stuff behind the scenes. That doesn't really look like anything. Um, and I don't really count it as work because it's not something that has like a consistent enough income yet until I get like all of my products in and have the, the stock and then continued clientele and sales. It's kind of one of those things where it's still a risk factor. Um, so that's hard. Um, and yeah, so it, it, it it's I don't I haven't been counting that as my job yet because my main income very much is still from the training But it's just kind of there my dog is trapped in my room and really wants out But i'm stubbornly not letting her right now. So i'm gonna finish this up soon so I can open it but yeah, um That's kind of it. I'm excited to keep you all posted and what's going on Check out my youtube channel for my update on pistachio the auction rescue pony and just subscribe there to stay tuned for stuff i'm also on tiktok instagram Um, and Twitter at S-D-E-Q-U-U-S. And I also wanted to thank you all for watching the podcast. I recently hit 20,000 downloads for my podcast, and that's just since I switched to Podbean back in June. So that is insane. Thank you so much. I'm so surprised that this podcast has been getting that much attention because, like I said, it's a stream of consciousness podcast that isn't as well prepared um, and, like, articulate and smart as a lot of people's who put way more time into theirs. Mine's kind of just spur of the moment, like, adhd or podcast where i'm just going rambly ramble um so i appreciate the fact that people actually like it and i thank you so much um for those of you who are interested i do have a patreon channel that you can subscribe to for um behind the scenes stuff as i work on my product products and then i also do patreon questions and stuff where people can ask questions and um i'll answer them on future podcasts and stuff i'm doing one with my boyfriend soon so most of the podcast questions i've gotten from patrons are for that podcast and i will be answering those soon as well um uh, in my next podcast, but I'm gonna answer a couple right now. So I have a Patreon question from Mar that says, "Would you be willing to answer some questions about low self confidences impact on training and how to combat that? It's intimidating going into the R plus world, and everyone seems to have their shit together while you still struggle with timing, multitasking, and reading your horse on top of reinforcing, etc. First and foremost, I want to reiterate the fact that even though people seem like they have it together most people don't they don't have it together as much as you think and even the professionals in the positive reinforcement world that you look at as big role models who do a lot of excellent work they don't always have perfect training sessions either so don't feel like you're the only one having these problems everyone does and even really experienced people will have moments where they might be reinforcing an incorrect behavior and realize it later and have to fix it that's all part of the game is kind of learning about different behaviors and why they arise looking into that and using it as investigation and communication so So in terms of impact on training, I would actually say low self-confidence has less of an impact than inflated self-confidence. Overconfident people who think they know more than they do are the ones that are more likely to do damage to their horses because they will rush, they'll take risks, and they'll do things that are not careful. Low self-confidence people tend to second-guess themselves a lot more and they will err on the side of the comfort of their horse. So I would actually say that your empathy and your concern for doing things right is a strength and it'll just be more about getting comfortable with any mistakes you do make and just welcoming the fact that you could make a mistake and that that's okay because you're trying your best. So I would just say keep doing your best and treat your, your, your lack of faith in yourself as Just your desire to do things perfectly it's not a bad thing it doesn't say anything negative about you in fact it actually says a lot of positive things about you because it shows that you care enough to always want to be better and that you're second guessing yourself which is a good thing because that's how you continue growing is not by just assuming that you're always right so In terms of building your confidence, I would start off with easy behaviors that are easier to time correctly. So I would pick a couple of ones that you can do in short sessions and time correctly and keep the sessions short if it's easier for you to get your timing bang on in a short session. Um, And just kind of if you can set up a Pivo or a camera on a fence and film, then that way you can watch your sessions back after and you can see from a third person view anywhere where you might have made mistakes or where your timing might have been slightly off and then you can use that to improve for next time. And then I also have a question from Meryl who says, how short would you keep sessions for the young horse? Let's say like one to two years. So for young horses, I try to keep sessions shorter because they are like toddlers and they don't typically have the same ex- attention span, but I would say it depends on whether or not it's a new skill or a skill that they get easily frustrated by or a skill that they find difficult versus one that's easy and fun for them. If it's easy and fun and they have low levels of frustration surrounding it, you can extend these training sessions for longer. For a yearling, I wouldn't really do more than 20 minutes in general unless you're doing like a necessary procedure like farrier work or working with feet and stuff or within that session you're changing up what you're asking like I wouldn't focus on one behavior for 20 minutes with a youngster um even for a two-year-old I would probably do like 10 minutes at a time and then give them breaks between even five minutes with breaks because then you're not demanding their focus for a lengthy period of time and if it's a highly physical thing then i would say that's where you want your sessions to be extra short like if you're doing heavy circling and you're lunging them keep it under five minutes i personally don't lunge yearlings and wouldn't recommend it um for a two-year-old i wouldn't lunge them for more than like 10 minutes and i'd keep them on a really big circle and just do walking and trotting stuff but i would say it depends on how much difficulty they're having with it and you're also always better off finishing after a short session on a really good note, then you are pushing it way too long and potentially finishing on a bad note. So timing really depends on what the horse's feedback to you is, but keep in mind the fact that young horses are like toddlers. So they do need shorter sessions and they will have lapses in focus that are different from an older horse. And as they get older and more mature, they'll be able to focus for longer. And as they get better at skills, they'll be able to focus for longer. So you kind of want to focus on it like slowly building them up rather than pushing too hard and potentially risking having them not retain the information as well so those are the patreon questions for today i'm going to answer the rest of them in the podcast that i'll record with my boyfriend jesse coming up um so anyone who's interested in asking a question you can join my patreon channel patreon.com sd eq <laughs> and um there's a tier that starts at just one dollar so you can check that out thank you again everyone for listening i so appreciate everyone Um, that supports my podcast and all of my other endeavors and i'll keep you posted on what's going on Um, also for those of you who are interested my birthday is on saturday this saturday january 8th i am having a sale on the amor equestrian website on my milestone goods for 26 percent off this does not include bridles currently um, but the saddle pads are on sale as of now thank you again and have a great day